0: Mick, I have a uh, Whit Merrifield story. I can't wait. Okay, so it is uh, Tuesday. We've been doing these for the last several days, sort of uh, make sure that he doesn't get bombarded by people asking about the streak. Everybody can ask their questions, get it out of the way. It uh, takes a few minutes, but yada, yada, yada. Uh, so we're done. Whit Merrifield's walking away, looks back at the media group and says, hey, guys, same place tomorrow? Love it. Yes. All right, it's Dodd Save the Royals right now.
1: Welcome to Dodd Save the Royals. I am Mick Schaefer. He is Rustin Dodd of The Athletic. Thanks for being with us here. And yeah, Whit Merrifield, a 30-game hitting streak, and he got it later on that night in his first at-bat, and he's embracing this, is he not? I mean, he loves to
0: talk about the streak, which is the exact opposite of any other baseball player ever. It is. Well, it's true. Um, We were just talking about off-air. Whit Merrifield is sort of like, he reminds me of like a... uh, a college basketball star who wasn't a top recruit, right? And he he wasn't he wasn't hassled by the rivals and scout people of the world. He he didn't get a ton of people texting him to say, "Hey, can I get a quick interview about where you're going to go to school?" And, and then like, so he gets to college and he's totally like, "You know what? Wait, I'm good. I'm I'm really good at this sport. People want you know to talk to me. Let's do it. Let's he, do it." He's like my kids
1: if they ever had a hitting streak or anything of that nature. That's all they would want to talk about. Have you seen me? Dan? Have you seen this? I hit it, a baseball. Got a hit in
0: 30 straight games. That's awesome. It seems like he is kind of youthful well, in it. Like, no, I, I think I'm cool talking about this. Snark aside, I think I would think Wood Merrifield like appreciates baseball. Like he really likes yeah. baseball. He likes the history. He likes he he's a sports fan. Like he likes yeah. college basketball, he likes golf, all these sort of things. Like he sees the game sometimes through like uh, 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 through like a diehard fan like he's he told me he went to japan in the offseason for that uh, all-star uh tour and i asked him about it and mm-hmm. he said one of the highlights was getting to play in the tokyo dome which he thought was you know one of the meccas of baseball which he knows about apparently which i I most i most would say that the, the average uh major league baseball player if yeah. you said you ever heard of the tokyo dome no what how many would get the country right if
1: you asked them? What country is the Tokyo Dome in?
0: i probably forty five percent. I don't know. I mean, Agree. Not even half of them would know. But you know, I To be fair, that you could probably ask the average American. How sad is that? And it's probably it's probably less than forty five percent. So, <laughs> so bad. I think that so. Uh
1: Yes. Um, so here is the uh, rundown of the show. We're going to be talking about wit, of course, and the accomplishments. We're going to uh, try to stave off uh, how bad the team uh, has been, uh, but we will not be able to do that. We'll talk about that, talk about how bad the bullpen is, and then talk about, a, uh, well, a guy that Rustin Dodd first introduced to me about this time last year, a guy by the name of Richard Lovelady that everybody else is getting to know now in in the Royals' kingdom. I, I, I felt so happy for you on
0: uh, on Tuesday night when he made his major league. Thank you. I did, I did see that. I, I wrote my first story about Richard Lovelady in July of 2017. Wow. Uh, it's been almost two years. Yeah. At the time, he was doing really well. in. Uh, I think he advanced at AA, but he dominated in at high A. Mm-hmm. and uh, There was even discussion at that time that... Like maybe if the Royals were in playoff contention and needed some bullpen help, he could come in September as a left-handed <laughs> specialist. That never happened, and then last year he spent the whole year at Omaha. But that first story, I mean, once you know the name, yeah. you're not forgetting it. Uh, and so yeah, the, it's been almost a two-year journey to get this get this guy to Kansas City. And he's more than just a fun name; he's a good pitcher. Yeah, as he showed on uh,
1: on Tuesday night.
0: He's good. I oh, know. Uh, you know what was we can. Like if you really want to get basebally about it, it was kind of interesting. His uh, I don't know if he's I need to ask him about this because I don't know if he throws like a cutter more or something. Something. His fastball last night was like ninety one, ninety two, but like mm-hmm. with some movement. And they were they on the on the broadcast they were calling it a slider. Yeah. Which I, I don't think it was like a ninety one mile an hour slider. Maybe it was. Um. Because he also has another breaking ball. I don't know. So anyway. Uh. But no, he he's got like electric stuff, which. Mm-hmm with this bullpen um, is... Is something they don't. I mean, it's they gonna gonna stand out, right? Yeah,
1: it's going to stand out absolutely with this bullpen. Um, also coming up on the show in the second segment, we're going to talk to a uh, a friend of mine, Um and you know Paul too, right? Do you, do you know Paul uh, through the internet? Through the internet, friend of all of ours, uh Paul Shirley, who is not only a former NBA basketball player but also writing for Royals Review somehow. Uh, yes, this season uh, he's been a Royals fan for a long, long time. Baseball was actually his first sport. We can ask him about this, but then like he hit like second puberty in high school and shot up to six foot ten he'll he calls it six foot nine but again I would say if I'm that tall I'm gonna say I'm six ten but he brings it down I think he doesn't round up and then basketball became his number one sport
0: so is he the first uh, former NBA player to blog about the Royals I, I, I'm
1: sure I would I would guess that was no wait maybe maybe uh what Chris Young
0: did, right? Well, s- did he ever play professionally? He never played in the NBA. Okay, he was just he a almost Princeton. He almost did, I think. Um, but but, but he, did Chris Young blog about the Royals?
1: No. I mean, oh, for <laughs> two there. He didn't play in the NBA, <laughs> <laughs> nor did he blog about the Royals, but he would be the closest one. If there was going to be a candidate, it would be uh, Chris Young, I would think. Anybody else? I don't know, that, like uh,
0: uh, Kareem Rush, you know, he's ever done it? Uh, um, I don't I don't think was so. Was he, uh,
1: you know— um, Anthony Peeler might Alec, have. I don't Alec know. Alec Burks,
0: has he ever, ever <laughs> written about them?
1: Um, I doubt it. I doubt it. No, so uh, so that, that's a first right there. So I, I read his first column. Um, he loves to write about dating, right? his dating life. Like both of his books have been about all the girls he dates and all the models and yada, yada, yada. Uh, full disclosure here, he's my brother's roommate out there in Los Angeles. Uh, so the Shafers and the Shirleys have known each other for a long time, but but then of course his first article about the the Royals he mentions his dating life. So I'll ask him about that as well. That's coming up in the second segment. So stick around. This is going to be a fun fun segment. I liked, I loved Love Lady coming up for obvious reasons, but it also sparked ornery Ned on Tuesday. He was ornery, ornery in the dugout. He was fun Ned. He was like dropping down like. Little uh, little anecdotes, uh, and one of them was about what he thought if he could change his name. Would, he can, but he wants to change his name to Julius Peppers because he thought thought that's a you know, a fun name out there, like Richard Lovelady. Were you out there for that? I was. Somebody yeah. asked him, uh, you know, like where does Lovelady rank
0: in the yeah, pantheon of, of, of baseball names? names. Like, yeah, and and he, without even like batting an eye, bam, like he, he, he talked about it. Already. He said yeah. Julius Peppers. <laughs> No, he's like, if I could change my name to Julius Peppers in a Holy. heartbeat, I would do it. Well, And then somebody said, you, you can. <laughs> and he <they>
1: started laughing. <laughs> Big old toothy grin. Um, but Julius Peppers is a good name. It's pretty it's good. It's a cool name. Um, there's been a lot of great baseball names in and around Kansas City.
0: I mean, Rusty Coates uh, is still around. There's a, Pete uh, LeCock. I think he's still on the staff of, with the Cardinals. But he even he even interviewed for a couple of managerial jobs. His name's Stubby Clap. Yeah, yeah. I know Stubby Clap. You know Stubby Clap? I know of Stubby. <laughs> yes. Not personally. Uh, no,
1: there's, So there, there, that was fun seeing Ned uh, talk about that. And then, of course, we asked him about the uh, the streak, uh, what Merrifield's hitting streak. He said, nope, nope, nope. I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. Don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it. And then he proceeded to talk about it for the next couple of
0: minutes, which is... Which was uh, classic Ned. I thought it was. he um, was kind of like uh, Jeff Daniels. I don't bet. I don't I bet. bet. <laughs> and then we can get. Can I bet you twenty bucks? We'll get you gambling before the end of the day. You're on. It's like I oh, don't know. I'm going to
1: do it. <laughs> Ernie's like two to one odds. Four to one. All right. You're on. I don't know. How I'm going to do it. But I'm. I'm going to. I'm going to get you. Uh, so yeah, that's exactly what it was like. So that was fun seeing Ned out there in the middle of a losing streak. Which is, I mean, Rustin, this team. Uh, was the last American League team to lose? I believe. Granted, that was like two or three days into the season. You they mean were two the and last 0. to wait. No, they were the last to lose to start the season. They were the only
0: undefeated oh, okay. team I, in I the American okay, League. Okay,
1: sorry, I, I didn't misread your what you were saying. Yes, they were the last, and now they have the worst record in baseball. Like a little over a week later.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So um, let's just reset on on Royals expectations, like where they are. I think this start is been about i guess as like as bad as it could be over 10 games right like i guess like, um, they could be 1 and 9 or 0 and 10 but you know it can Wood always Ma- get worse buddy bell yeah. once said Wood Merrifield said before the season hey it's really crucial for us to get off to a good start we're a young team we got to play meaningful baseball uh they start 2 and 0 and it's like okay maybe they, there's some here and then it's like they didn't even really need to um you know just hanging around 500 you know i think ian kennedy told me that mm-hmm. he's like 500 is a good a good spot to be you can always yeah. improve on it uh just you know hang around don't lose you know and i i just think that um you know you can the old saying like you can lose uh you can lose out of the playoffs in april but you can't make the playoffs yeah and the so are losing out of the playoffs right? yeah and so i guess in the grand you know this is not uh, one of the greatest fiascos in royals history right like they're running out a bullpen where in which they signed you know a, a slew of veterans who they were hoping could kind of reinvent themselves. Um, Willie Peralta, who was on the roster last year, but Willie Peralta's in that category. Jake Diekman, Brad Boxberger, like, you know, like there's a reason why those guys were available. There's a reason why the Royals, who have a limited payroll, uh, signed Boxberger for two point two five million, Diekman for two point seven five. I mean, just look at the look at the other players in baseball who are signing in that sort of like price range, or right? like S- Alcides Escobar. That's like what he made last year. Mm-hmm. Lucas, it's like a Lucas Duda contract. He's a, a bench player. Who, mm-hmm. So, like, you you get what you pay for, I guess. And you could kind of wish and hope on those guys that they they bring it back. But I guess my point is. It's not shocking that their bullpen is bad, right? It, it's maybe been a little bit surprising, uh, especially if you've listened to this podcast that Kevin McCarthy is off yeah. to a bad start. Winner <laughs> um, Schaefer dinner right yeah. there, but the, like it's a, one it, for I think the Royals, what surprised the Royals front office is, is that McCarthy and Tim Hill. Like, those were the guys they were kind of counting on. You know, like, they didn't expect them to be Wade Davis, Kelvin Hurd, or Greg Holland. Like, you know, like, they, no, they didn't expect that at all. But they expected them to, like, All right, those are our guys that, like, we can kind of know what we're going to get from them. You know, they're going to put up an ERA in the threes. They're going to have a good outings yeah. most of the time. They're going to have some blowups maybe, you know, here and there. But, like, those are the guys we're counting on. And oh, 10, 12 days into the season, both of those guys are optioned to Omaha, uh, Kyle Zimmer, You know, gets three appearances, two in which he struggles to command the fastball. You could argue, maybe say, hey, can give him a little bit more chance up here. Uh, But, you know, he didn't have great command in his first appearance down in Omaha either. So, you know, maybe they moved a little too quickly on him, but he has options. You can kind Mm -hmm. of see he'll be back. But anyway, I'm kind of rambling now. But uh, I guess my point is it's not shocking that the bullpen is, is this bad. And this is probably kind of who the Royals are. But in terms of the uh, the larger story of the season, it is uh, to to paraphrase a, a line from Yankees manager Joe Girardi, it's not what you want, and no, no. and uh, and it's just like it's um, it's it's for the entire organization. You know, people who sell tickets, you know, people who work in the front office. You know, like a good start can really change the narrative of a season. Like if you're gonna go seventy and ninety two or you're going to lose 95 games, people are going to remember the season a lot differently if you give them hope in April and May yeah. than if you yeah. play well in August and September. Which they didn't do last year. And
1: I would say it is shocking a little bit in that like this bullpen was so bad last year and they completely overhauled it. One guy, I think, uh, made both uh, opening day Tim, rosters. Yeah, Tim, Hill's Tim Hill is the only guy in, in, in both bullpens and they come back this year and so far it has been worse
0: maybe way well, worse i'm I, sure you know the numbers no, but I, it I feels like way worse i haven't worse. studied but like the the start last year actually i think the era was worse wow um, i, mean, well, I they, don't know you had blaine boyer uh and justin Grimm get just they, they had like, maybe they weren't blowing as many games. At this that point that last might that might be fair. That might be fair to where like
1: they inherited. They were uh, just some spe- they
0: were losing already when they got it. There's been like five games that they've blown. There already. were some spectacular bl- blowups last year where they, where they gave up you know six seven eight runs and the RA got really high yeah. in a hurry. Uh, but you might be right. I mean they they there were potentially four games in a row against the yeah. Twins and Tigers in yeah. which they had a late lead and they could have won. Um, and you know so I don't know. It's funny in
1: that like baseball is when you think it's notorious for when you think you know something, when you think you know how something's going to go. Oh man, it's Kershaw going up against I don't know uh, 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 Mark Redmond. I'm just trying to think of a horrible Royals pitcher. Oh, and and then it's a it's a one-one pitchers duel, right? You never know.
0: But in this instance with this team and that bullpen. You always know. Well, it's true. I did. You I, always know. I did. Uh, I, I tweeted on Monday how the uh, Seattle Mariners had 27 home runs yeah. in the first. I think 11 games, home runs. And the Royals bullpen had an ER over eight. Hey, Royals, probably going to sweep them. You yeah. Know? Nope. And then, nope. No, not at all. <laughs> they uh, Mariners <laughs> are bashing home runs at a prolific yes. rate, and the uh, they're fattening up on the Royals. So
1: yeah. Uh, let's take a break here because we have Paul Shirley waiting on the other side. We will talk uh, with him about Royals baseball, about dating models in L.A., about playing for the Bulls with Scottie Pippen, and what just what a horrible life he has led. Sound good? Yes. All right. No. All right, we are back here on Dodd Save the Royals. Mick of 41 Action News, Rustin Dodd of The Athletic, and now Paul Shirley of Royals Review. Is that right, Paul? That's right, buddy. How'd that come about?
2: Um, So I saw that uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, a low-level Royals Review fan. I read their stuff to figure <laughs> out what's going on with the Royals. Because with the Royals, because they're terrible, you have to – generate your own narrative like you have to come up with something to to think about um and I think Royals Review does a good job of uh speculation and other things that uh keep us entertained uh and I saw that uh Max was looking for writers and I was like you know I wouldn't mind writing about the Royals every couple of weeks I watch them all the time and uh and might have a couple of things to say about coming back to being a baseball fan after a long absence and also have that uh experience as a professional athlete under my belt so might be able to lend a little bit of wisdom as to what's going on in the minds of some awful baseball players (laughs) that's
1: right if you don't know paul shirley former iowa state basketball player player former uh what jeff west charger what Mm -hmm. was your mascot Tigers, Tigers, uh, Meriden, Kansas, north of Topeka, and he played for three uh, NBA teams as well as uh, 690 teams overseas. Uh, if I if I remember right, there, approximately, Paul.
2: almost all of them. If they had a team I probably played for them. Uh,
1: and wasn't baseball your first sport?
2: Yeah, when I was, if I was, if you went back to see 11 year old Paul, you would have found out that he wasn't he quite as tall and gangly. <laughs> He was pretty gangly, but he was not very tall. Uh, and uh, and he would have told you that he was going to be a professional baseball player someday. Um, and then uh, and then the curveball struck, and uh, <laughs> and I was done. Yeah. Uh, uh, but it's always been like a big part of my life, um, and and so have the Kansas City Road. Like it's something that I think anybody who grew up in that part of the world, especially in the 80s. Um, when the Royals were perennially good, as opposed to once every three decades good. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it was a thing to talk about. I think my childhood self loved the long season and the out-of-doors, and now the uh, 41-year-old version of me likes that as well.
0: <laughs> Paul, did you, um, like many Royals fans, do you, do you feel like, and I think you wrote about this, but did you kind of escape Royals fandom for a, a decade or two, or what was your journey in terms of how you handled the 90s and early 2000s and ultimately came back?
2: I definitely fall into that category. Um, And in a lot of ways, I think it's defensible. I think that uh, sports teams have no responsibility to their fans. They do have, though, a profit motive. And if your team is just bad year after year after year, I think it's smart to actually abandon them. I think that uh, the Royals in that period didn't do much to prove to their fans that they should care about them. Uh, and in the same way that if uh, In-N-Out started making subpar hamburgers, I would stop going to In-N-Out. Uh, I think a fan should decide, like, I'm, I'm not going to spend my time with this. Uh, and then I think as the Royals started to make progress toward success again, Uh, it was easy to see that this was worth our time and this was worth our financial investment of like watching games and going to games. Um, But also, it's true that moving to Los Angeles helped um, because I think we Midwesterners all share something of an inferiority complex. And I think most coastal folks, especially in New York and LA, tend to overlook us. So there was a little bit of a confluence of me regaining some pride in being from the Midwest, while the Royals also got good again.
1: Yeah, and they beat the Angels too in in 2014. That was that was nice as well. So, um, mm-hmm. so you wrote your first piece on, I believe it was uh, kind of on Dayton Moore and how uh, a no plan or a bad plan is better than no plan. Um, what's your next piece going to be on, and how often will you be writing for the uh, Royals Review?
2: It's going to be every two weeks, um, and I think as I find my way, I will probably come up with um, slightly more off-the-beaten-path opinions because people like Rustin have the Royals well covered, um, so I will need to figure out what my take will be. Um, I think one thing that I will dive into soon is I find it difficult sometimes to pay attention to the Royals because there's so much – there are so many, like – embedded reporters who seem like they're just going to tell you that everything's fine. Like I was on the MLB app this morning and the stories are all about like, Hey, which Merrifield's going to um, tie George Brett's record or tied it yesterday. Um, but no one's like the Royals are terrible. Like this is awful. And people will still go like, well, Ned Yost said this thing and we so we better believe him. And you're like, well, Ned Yost like career sub five hundred record, he's he's it's pretty clear now that Ned Yost doesn't know what he's talking about. So I would I think the next thing I will write about is like why don't people hold their feet to the fire a little bit more? There's something up there's something strange about baseball. Maybe it's because the reporters and the announcers are on the road with the team for so long where they forget to say like Hey, wait a second! The Royals have the, are tied for the worst record in baseball, and it doesn't seem like this plan is going very well. Um, why are we not talking about that?
1: Um, you know, Paul Ned's going to have a statue of himself outside of Kauffman Stadium. He's the all-time winningest Royals manager. He won a World Series with the Royals. He's got to yeah, know but, a little yeah. bit about baseball. I think I don't there's think
2: a. He does. I think like I think it's an interesting like so having played at high levels of sports for a long time there is so much luck involved, especially when you get in the playoffs. And baseball is is really um, emblematic of that because the playoffs are such a small percentage of games compared to the regular season. And so that was a really fun run. But if you look at, like, the man just has lost so many baseball games. Um, I That's not to say, like, firing the manager is going to change things, but, like, it's just interesting that people are like – well, I guess if Ned Yost said it, it must be true. When you're like, yeah, I think
1: there are some people like that. You, here in Kansas City. I believe most people are 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 not like that. Uh, there's still uh-huh. the Yosted uh, uh, tropes on on Twitter, and mm-hmm. you know that's that. I yeah, think, but I
2: think what you just said is is important. Like, there will be a statue of him. Yeah. Outside. I mean, that might that might be true, and that's oh, like weird because he's again, if you look at if you look at the stats, he's just not a very good manager over the long haul.
0: I do think – so what I think is interesting about what you brought up is um, like how much should we hold a rebuilding team responsible, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if if the plan is in the long term um, and it's like a question of expectations, okay, we we all expected the Royals to be bad. Um, They are bad. Yet they did sort of say, hey, we want to win. We want to try to win. It's kind of like a difficult Mm -hmm. game of like, okay, so how much – how much, like, for lack of a better word, how much shit should we give this team? Uh, mm-hmm. It's like they they technically weren't supposed to be good. Part of the reason they weren't supposed to be good is because this is what happens in baseball. Part of the reason it's of their own doing mistakes they made, like, in, in trying to sustain sort of, like, the contending window they had. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, it is a good question of t- in terms of, like, whether or not, like, what is the right level of, criticism that like a rebuilding team mm-hmm. should get well I- yeah
2: I think it's I like having been around professional sports teams there are savant types who get into management and are able to um, kind of jedi mind trick people while they're doing they're they're saying one thing and they're doing another they're saying we're doing this but in fact we're we have this longer plan at work and I think like the hope is that Dayton Moore is one of those people. But at some point, reality catches up with you. And, and as you said, Rustin, like if he's saying we're going to try to be good while we rebuild and they're not good at all, then you have to wonder like, well, hmm, actually, maybe is he just making up an excuse in case they're good, he has an out. And in case they're bad, he has an out.
1: Well, I think the, the biggest thing for me for this team is, is the bullpen because I have covered a ton of bad Royals teams. And they've they've been, you know, they can't hit the ball, starting pitches bad. I've never seen a bullpen this bad. That should be the part of the team that's easiest and quickest to fix, right? Would you agree, Rustin? I mean, that's – a lot of times you can just turn it over. There's guys, you know, kind of on the way up, on the way down. Hey, you've got two pitches. I get it. We just need you for an inning. You collect a handful of those guys, you piece it together, and you can piece it together. But they haven't been able to. And they've blown – I mean, I, I – what, what, I, I think there's a team that could have won seventy games last year if it won for the bullpen. I'm I'm fearing that they've already wasted away five this year because of it. That's just me.
2: That's do you think me. uh do you think some of that like I, I think baseball is brutal in its um obeisance to regression to the norm. The Royals had had such success with their bullpen and a lot of that success I think because we don't oftentimes the the statistics lose sight of the importance of confidence and just how people feel. So when they had that lockdown bullpen, I wonder how much of that was became a snowballing effect of like, we are good. So we think we're good. We're good. So now we think we're even better. And currently you have a bullpen that is bad, thinks it's bad and is probably going to get worse for a while because of that confidence aspect or just the mental side of it. And I think that that could be that like played out over five years, when you take chances on guys who Um, like I remember Ryan Madsen, right? Like he was a guy who had just kind of gotten moved to the bullpen and it worked out really well, but that was maybe a lucky break. It's not like somebody was a wizard and knew that that was going to work. And now when you try that with other guys, some of them, it's not going to work out. So maybe it's just the famine that you have to pay for the feast that you had.
0: Right. I, I don't know. I think there's like an element of like, if you have two or three really good relievers, you can basically fill in beside them. But if you have Zero good relievers, then you're, you know, your mediocre guys. Look, they just yeah. look mediocre, and it's and everybody's sort of overexposed to the role in which they're doing. and I, I don't know. I, I I think that's sort of what's happening. Uh, one last question, Paul. And this is gonna this is might be kind of far afield. but um, you Paul, mentioned Paul likes far field. Okay. By okay the so way. if you haven't noticed, he's, he that's where he lives. You uh, yes. uh, in in like so, you've been on the side of it in basketball in terms of uh, on the team side on the player side um are there uh when you when you consume uh baseball as a fan um do you like did you think that the media was getting it wrong in terms of not getting it wrong like the story but just like doing things incorrectly or uh not covering things quite accurately uh from a basketball standpoint and then when you watch uh something as a fan does that like color your viewpoint
2: it probably does just because i i think there's so much more to the story, and I also think that um, sports teams often forget that thing that I was talking about earlier that they are a commodity and that they have to figure out a way to make it entertaining. Um, and I think that's what one thing I wrote in that column about the idea of having a plan that at least gives your fans something to connect to. So they see Billy Hamilton on base and they think like, well, you know we might steal here. That gives me something to pay attention to. Um, I, I do think that in base, baseball sometimes suffers because it, it thinks that it's entitled to a position within the big three sports, and that's not necessarily the case. It's doing better than I think than people would have expected five or ten years ago in that it has had a, lo- a bit of a resurgence. But when I watch a game – so when I watch baseball, I never – will watch the Royals coverage. I always watch the opposition because Rex Hudler is so bad at his job and everybody else is so good at their jobs. They're so good Just at... throwing they're, haymakers.
0: They're
2: color <laughs> their color guys are so good at telling stories and explaining this is what's going on with the farm system and here's what's happening in the longer story of the season. Whereas Rex Hudler is like, hey, this guy can throw a fastball and a changeup and now I'm going to say something stupid for the next two innings. And so I think like... <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting about being a sports fan or or any fan is like, what is this team doing to provide me value and that's where the Royals, I think sometimes suffer because they don't necessarily think of themselves as a commodity. They think people are always going to watch us because they always have uh, and that's a mistake.
0: To you, you my know think. what you know what's interesting there's, I think there's something to that, but baseball is actually gone like sort of the other way where uh, like the the product on the field used to determine whether a team was financially successful right it's mostly Mm -hmm. based on ticket sales Mm -hmm. were a huge revenue driver and now like uh there's been a decoupling of that because um like the biggest financial revenue streams for teams are generally television like rights and there's other like weird uh revenue sharing things that the royals get Mm -hmm. that so like the Royals, I think they don't have a huge television contract, so they still sort of need to depend on ticket yeah. sales to to make money. But like a lot of teams don't really need to depend on ticket sales to make money. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. then why spend money on players? Just you know, like so I don't know. It's um, like yeah. No, I
2: think you're 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 definitely onto something there because like the team knows we're gonna profit or our value is going to increase. Like there's there's interesting statistics about like, and this was true in in the NBA also. We had when I played for the Phoenix Suns, the owner, Robert Sarver, would complain about like, well, you know, if we do this, then we we make $3 million next year. And if we do this, then we'll lose $3 million. But losing or, or gaining $3 million in technical profit year to year is pretty much irrelevant because a lot of these people are hoping to buy a team for, in those days, $600 million and sell it for $1.2 billion, which is obviously the longer game. And so, I think that's one thing that is overlooked in baseball sometimes when we talk about profit and this is not, you know, my theory, lots of smarter people than I have talked about this, that like, well, okay, maybe the the Royals technically lose money in a year or only make this small profit. But if the team is worth a ton more then that's worth the time and energy of the owner.
1: They, uh, they just came out. I think they're worth over a billion, but I, I think that's still like the third lowest in major league baseball. I saw that last night somewhere. That I, right. And other teams are 5 and $6 billion technically they're worth, mm-hmm. however you figured that. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah,
2: and so, I mean, th- I think that that will be something I will be exploring all season, Is just, like, what it's like to consume this thing. Because baseball has – it. when you're watching a baseball game, you are pretty reliant on the commentators to fill in the gaps because there isn't a lot happening. And that's fine. As I've aged, I've realized, like, there's something beautiful about that. But I think as a commodity, we have to – if we're analyzing the Royals think about like well what are they doing to actually like keep me watching the game when the action on the field maybe isn't going to do that job Yep,
1: good stuff Paul will let you get to whatever you have to get to uh a coffee with models or, or whatever out there in LA whatever you I gotta
2: do. I gotta run that uh that rider's block guys
1: that's right is, is uh, Scott Schaefer there or is he uh, even out of bed yet
2: uh, he'll probably be uh, over later in the afternoon to uh, to get a little writing in. He's working on
1: just working on TV script. Oh, he is. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. I'm sure that'll work out great. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Paul. We appreciate the time. Thanks for having cool. me, guys. Thanks, Paul. Happy to talk about the Royals. Paul Shirley of the Royals Review now and of um, yeah, Writer's Block is the um, I guess the workshop that he. Hosts out there in LA. He's got his own uh, terrific pun, by the way. Yeah, it is, and I think it's B L O K. Just you know, a little edgy, no O C K. But yeah, a lot of like television writers, uh, script writers, screenwriters uh, for film show up there, and they that's a it's a place where they can write. And he brings in like speakers of Who's was the guy a guy you know. Um, like some 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 comedians some guys big names come in and they talk about how they write and what they think about to all these people so it's a cool little business he runs out there that's him there's Paul he was throwing haymakers right away what I, I, I yeah I mean I hope Rex doesn't listen let's see what would he say uh if the royals suck don't don't cheer for them <laughs> don't be a fan right. Uh, hates Rex, Rex Hedler and uh, a million other things. I oh, think he'll
0: yeah. fit, fit in at Royals Review. He will? Okay, good. I no <laughs> shot at those people over there. I love what they do, too. I'm just <laughs> making a joke.
1: Uh, all right. Want to wrap this thing up?
0: Again, um, yeah, we, do we, we didn't toast. We t- I, I mean, have uh, no I, toast. Do you have a toast? Um, oh, do I have a toast? Uh, whew, um, no, I don't. I, I mean, how about... Let's not overthink this. I
1: mean, like, 56 human beings in the history of Major League Baseball have accomplished a 30-game hitting streak. Whit Merrifield is one of them. It's pretty long. We didn't even it's really— It's a ton of guys that have played Major League Baseball, and only 56 have gotten, uh, gotten to that mark. So my toast is to Whit Merrifield for not only uh, achieving that streak, uh, but also not shying away from it, talking about it, and in and and embracing it and, and enjoying the ride and not 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 hating it.
0: And uh and my toast is to uh the Dave Matthews band song uh Two Step. Okay. Um this is uh Virginia won the national title on uh Monday. On, on Monday night. And uh, I don't know if you know this but Dave Matthews band is from Charlottesville. Oh, I did not know that. Uh they formed there. Dave Matthews was working as a bartender. I haven't listened to Dave Matthews in, like, 20 years, um, aside from occasionally hearing Crash Into Me on the radio. Sure. Um, I really haven't. And somebody, as a joke, posted uh, the song Two-Step uh, from, the, from the album Crash on, after the Virginia title on Monday. Yeah. And I listened to it, and I'm not kidding, Paul, incredible song. Incredible. So if you haven't listened to Two Step in like twenty years, like I haven't, like what's what? I mean, why um, is it incredible? What's, you what's just good about you got to listen to it, man. It's just it's. it's Did a, it forecast this Virginia National Title? No, or it's anything? just it, no, there's, okay. there's like this incredible intro. It builds. All the instrumentation is just on point. It is a, like, I'm not a big Dave Matthews man fan. Okay. But the song Two Step mm, nice. is great. Thank it you, Dave great. Matthews man. Yes.
1: DMB, we really, really appreciate it. All right, this has been Dodd Save the Royals. We appreciate your business. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. I was born in California with the fire in my heart. They told me it would burn everything.